Business Women Rock, Episode 15. Ladies, it's time to rock. Welcome to the Business Women Rock Podcast, where we get down and dirty with the world's most incredible business women. Inspire your journey by listening to theirs. And now, here's your host, Katie Kremitzos. What's up? Welcome to the Business Women Rock Podcast. I am so happy you're here. Let's get right into it. My guest today is Pamela O'Hara, who's the founder of Batchbook. Batchbook is a social CRM, which basically allows you to keep track of your clients and to be able to manage your clients in a way that's so much more than just an electronic Rolodex. She's got a great hands-on small business approach to how she services her clients And she has very big goals for being able to have mass impact over small businesses all over the world. So turn up the volume and let's get rolling. Pam, thank you so much for being here with us today. Really, really appreciate you taking out some time. Sure. Thank you so much. I'm, I'm very excited. I'm very, very excited to share your story with all of our listeners today because you're in such a unique space in technology and using cloud computing and being able to use technology that's directly applicable to a lot of our listeners and, um, and a great tool for that. So behind the scenes of my company, I'm a little bit of the operator nerd and I love systems. And so I'm a huge fan of CRMs. Um, I'm a huge fan of being able to manage your clients and that's right up your alley. That's what you have built with Batchbook. So I want to get into the story of how, you know, you even came about to do that. And then we can talk about, you know, what you guys are doing now and what your experience has been like. So talk to us first a little bit about what your background was in technology and software development in the first place? Sure. So, you know, like most technology professionals, I was an English major in college. That's funny. (laughs) Um, And I I actually graduated in the early 90s and, you know, deciding what to do. I was working in Washington, D.C., working for a congressman there and went back to school in the art school. Uh, the Corcoran School of Art in D.C., and was interested in graphic design. And I was taking, I took the very first web design class that organization offered. And, you know, I just, I got the bug. I, I loved this, you know, this, this whole worldwide web thing, um, the internet thing. This was, again, in like 91, 92. So I started designing websites, um, learned how to code in HTML, built a website. My congressman was one of the first congressmen with a, with a website. He's still in office today, and I, I think I deserve most of the credit for that. Um, <laughs> uh, but, I, you know, I, I was very interested, and in those days, uh, if you knew what WWW stood for, you could get a job as a webmaster because so many organizations were trying to quickly you know, get a presence on the web. And so I really just, I sort of hit, you know, hit that industry right at the right time. So I was, you know, quickly learning as fast as I could what coding was, what, you know, graphic design was, how to use those tools, and and doing it professionally. Um, I was, you know, being paid to learn all of these things as this industry um, sort of sprouted up around me. And, you know, my interest, again, 
sort of my information gathering English history major background, I, I really loved the data side of things. You know, how do you not just put pretty pictures um, on a website, but how do you start putting real information? How do you put databases on the web, like the power of people being able to access information. So I kind of veered off in that direction and co-founded a company uh, in D.C. with a good friend of mine that built web applications for trade associations. So it was, you know, membership databases, um, registration forms, trade show exhibitor databases for these, these giant organizations of information. Um, so I, I just, I really got, you know, excited by and spent a lot of time learning how to organize and display and use large amounts of information over the web. And I was with that organization for a long time, and I actually moved up to the Providence area. That's where my company, Batchbook, is based. When I was pregnant with my first of three children, um, and I, you know, at that point, I was looking to start something new. I love the, the web application development business, but I wanted to start a new business really focused on entrepreneurs, on small businesses. And, uh, you know, I, I had a um, customer from my days in D.C. that lived up in Rhode Island, so she hired me to come in and find for her what she called an electronic Rolodex. Um, she had a publishing company. She had about 15 staff. They published case studies, marketing case studies, and she needed something to organize for writers, for editors, for advertisers, for buyers, and we couldn't find the right thing at the right price. And, you know, I, I sort of took this desire to start my own thing, um, you know, this, this need I saw then in the marketplace and some you know, money that I had from previous experiences and put them together and said, okay, I'm not sure yet what I'm going to build, but it's going to be web-based, software-based, and for small businesses, and it's going to help them organize you know, the customers that run their business. So that's what I did. Can you give us an idea, just, uh, you know, kind of talk generally speaking and, and make sure that our listeners know exactly what a social CRM is? That originally started as a a contact database. So, you know, she described it well when she said an, an electronic Rolodex, just a database that contains all of your um, people in your network's information, phone numbers, email addresses, titles, that sort of thing. What we've morphed into is, yeah, it's great to be able to grab someone's phone number, but what I really want to know is what was you know, the last thing I promised them and have I sent it to them yet or have someone on my team sent it to them yet or, you know, what is it that they bought from me last time or what were they interested in or, um, you know, the social aspect of it is what are they out there on Twitter talking about? Um, are they talking about my product? Are they, you know, talking about something that interests them? Are they talking about a big life event that I should know about before I get on the phone? Um, and, and try to talk to them about something I need from them. So we've, you know, we, we took that, what started as just, you know, a database of people contact information and turned it into a CRM, which is customer relationship management. And it's that relationship side that brings all these other pieces in, all of the communications that you've had with that person, all of the 
you know, things that you've done for them, information you've sent to some people in your organization that have touched them. That's, that's really what a CRM does for you. And then bring in the social part, which is connecting that person to the information that person is publishing out on social media sites into that same record so you can see, okay, here's the relationship my business has with them, and here's the information, you know, that they're sort of augmenting that with by publishing it themselves. So my question for you is that at the time that you were building it, this, were there any other companies who were doing it the way that you were doing it, this social social media integration, the affordability for small businesses, you know, being able to sort of bring all these pieces together? Was there anything out there like that back in 2006? You know, there really wasn't. And we, um, you know, especially on the social side, we, you know, were at the first South by Southwest conference where Twitter was launched. So we were really growing up with social media. Um, and, you know, I, I wish we could say, um, you know, we knew right away that, that that was the thing, but really more than anything, we were curious about it. So in those early days, you know, we started, uh, you know, created a Twitter account for ourselves right then, you know, when, when it launched and said, hey, you know, who's here? And no one answered because no one was there yet. <laughs> okay, uh, let's see if we can find a couple other people and have a conversation. And uh, you know, again, we were we were just in the right place at the right time. Um, and it, it was more that our curiosity paid off than that. You know, we were so prescient or anything. You know, it, it really was just we were figuring something out, and we happened to to catch on to something that was working for us. You know, having those conversations in Twitter, and then largely the conversations we were having in Twitter were what's everyone doing on Twitter? And we were like, well, you know, if that's what people were on Twitter to find out, let's talk about that. And so we started a Twitter chat, and this was in, I believe, 2008, 2009, and it was it literally was a you know small business Twitter chat to discuss what are people doing on Twitter. But it was great. You know, there were so many people. We, we found so many other small businesses like us that really weren't sure yet what, what to do, how to, you know, is it an advertisement? Is it a conversation? Is it, you know, a networking opportunity? What, what is this? What do we talk about? How do we, you know, say please and thank you, but you've only got 140 characters, you know. Um, so it, was, it, it really sort of grew organically into a, a great conversation for us and a great way to find businesses like ourselves, but also businesses who would be interested in um, the tool we were building. So then we started building that integration with Twitter and with Facebook and with LinkedIn into our product. So it, it was a case of figuring it out, but helping our product figure it out too at the same time. So you had built this software, you spent all this time really planning and strategically placing all all these little integrations that you wanted to have in, in this product. How did you actually go out and get it to the marketplace? What were your strategies that you implemented to actually get it out there and to get clients? Well, you know, the first list that we went to was what we called our wedding list. It was myself and I had two employees at the time and, you know, we were all Three of us, the two two of them were married, were all young, married. We both had um, young children at that time. And, 
we literally took the list of people that we had invited to our weddings and said, you know what? This is our network at this point. <laughs> we know there's probably some small business people in this network. Let's go to them. And even if they don't have a small business, they might have a mother or a father or a brother or a sister or an aunt or an uncle um, who's running a small business and see, you know, if they'll just give us feedback on the product we're building. We would do monthly questionnaires when we were first building the product. We would send, we had probably four or 500 people on that list, on that email list, and we would send out something monthly and just say, hey, here's what we've done. And sometimes it would just be, we put together a logo and, you know, it's such, that was such a nurturing crowd and they got so excited and they did. They brought, hey, you know, my uncle has a hardware store. I sent him your information. He joined your list. Or, hey, my mom runs a landscaping business. So, what you know, that network started to grow. And especially in those early days, it was very one-on-one. We would, you know, if, if my maid of honor, you know, sent her mom my way, I would get on the phone with her and say, hey, you know, this is Helen. Thank you so much for, you know, joining this list. And I know you don't have email or know what social media is, but can I just pick your brain? You know, what, what, <laughs> what are you doing? What's the hardest part about figuring out your customer, you know, what your customers need? And so it was, it was very one-on-one as much as we could. It was very, you know, hands-on. Um, anyone who would fill out the questionnaire in those early days, we'd send them cookies, literally send them boxes of chocolate chip cookies um, that we would make to say thank you for, you know, participating in this. And we we printed up T-shirts, and they were just blank white T-shirts, um, but the back said, that's book early advisor. And we said, you know, it may not look like much now, but someday you're going to make, you know, a lot of money when you sell this on eBay when, you know, we're a huge technology company. And, you know, people love that and they felt very appreciated. And so they helped us keep spreading the word and bringing new people. And um, it, it really just took off from there. So you really built a community. I mean, you built literally like an offline via email and via people interacting and you sending cookies and making phone calls, you you built an entire community of people who were total supporters of yours and would help help you build the company, really. Yes, especially in those early days when you really don't know what you're doing <laughs> and you, you make more mistakes than, you know, get things right. It's so helpful to have, um, you know, a group of people really cheering for you. It, it was wonderful. I, I will say the the one thing you you shouldn't take to that community is pricing. <laughs> Ask them any question in the whole world except what they would pay for your product because everyone on that list, all of those early supporters, you know, cheerleaders, we just want to help you make this work, will tell you they'll pay a million dollars for your product because <laughs> they know you're the worth of you as a person and really you need to find out from the market the worth of your product. I mean, I find that so interesting because I think a lot of professionals and business people, I mean, I guess I'm uh, personalizing this. I mean, I would think that it's a little intimidating to actually kind of pull the curtains back and show your potential clients and people who are sort of in this community of supporting for you exactly what's going on. And I understand the idea of asking for feedback and what do you guys think about A, B, and C and which would you choose and which do you like better? But it sounds like you were you were actually asking them a little bit more intimately and, and being willing to show them that you guys aren't this perfect product yet. I think that's pretty amazing because that allowed them to 
take ownership over the growth that you guys really had. I think that's pretty incredible. Oh, thank you. Yeah, we, um, you know, especially in those early days, and, you know, it's an easy thing to say, but it's really hard to do it on a day-to-day basis to, to really, you know, have that type of transparency. And I can literally remember um, times when I would be, uh, driving, you know, when there were just three of us, we had just launched a new product. We did start to have, you know, real people that we weren't related to or didn't know um, through our network start buying our product, and they would call into the customer service line. And in those days, you know, the customer service, the 800 number on our website just went straight to my cell phone. And there would be times when I would be in the car, you know, with, with two kids in the back, and... Uh, I would I would be answering the customer service line and you know and I would say hey I'm the CEO of the company I know everything there is to know about this product but please excuse the noise in the background you know I've got my kids with me now and there certainly were some people who probably were turned off <laughs> by that and you know they said this doesn't sound like a real company but there were so many more customers in those early days who were like oh wow that's cool. You, you're running this business and you've got a family and, you know, I get it. You know, if, if I was trying to sell to, um, you know, General Dynamics or Delta or, you know, very large organizations, that wouldn't work. <laughs> you know, that, that's, that's not the culture and that's not what they need. But I was trying, you know, I was building a product for people kind of doing the same thing, <laughs> you yeah. know, running the landscaping business or the consulting business or the, you know, Etsy business, um, and and doing it around a weird, flexible schedule with kids and spouses and families and parents, and so they they got it and they appreciated that I was honest about it, and so it worked. Do you have any examples over the the course of your tenure? as a business, of any really bad turns that you made as a company, maybe a product or a service that you guys were, were launching and it just wasn't the right thing, it didn't hit the market right, or you know, a decision about marketing, anything like that. Anything, any strategic move that you guys made that just really kind of blew up in your face? Um, <laughs> I wish I could say no. <laughs> We've not made any mistakes. <laughs> um, <laughs> unfortunately, I can't. There have certainly been a lot of things, and I'm sure we'll still make some today, and we'll continue to make some tomorrow. Hopefully, we've you know learned to make mistakes faster and you know correct them quicker than we did. In the early days, I'll tell you one thing that that sort of stands out. I guess a couple of years ago, we were in negotiations with a Fortune 500 uh, company who wanted to um, white label our product, and that means you know put their logo at the top of it and sell it to their small business customers. Um, and it was a huge deal. Uh, you know, we were meeting with top executives at this very impressive brand name company. And we put a lot of resources into building out uh, something for what they needed. And eventually, the the large public company shifted course internally. They ended up never launching the entire project. They had brought together this huge team of 
top executives to put together this whole new effort and, and the entire thing was disbanded after a year. And, and that year for us was very costly. <laughs> um, for, you know, a small company, we probably had, you know, nine or 10 employees at that point. We had, we had put a lot of resources on something that, that never came to fruition. So and I think that's one thing I've learned is certainly there's some exciting opportunities, but you, you know, you really should never over-invest uh, in something, uh, A, until it's a done deal, and B, until it's it's one of those situations where, like, you're saying to yourself, you know, how can I not do this? <laughs> this, is so, this is right in front of me right now. If, if it's ever feeling like, yeah, this is a giant mountain to climb, but I'm sure we'll be able to do it, you really have the resources to drive, to climb a giant mountain. Um, and if you don't, then either get those resources, you know, get that partner or that company to give you those resources or say, you know what, this isn't the right fit. We don't have the resources for this. We'll figure out another way to, to get a bazillion customers. Well, and that actually leads me to my next question. How many users does Batchbook have? We don't publish uh, our users, but it's in the thousands. Okay, so my question is, what does it really take to build and continually improve software that thousands and thousands of people are using? Patience. <laughs> um, a good relationship with customers, especially software as a service. That's what our product is. People subscribe, so they pay monthly for access to our software over the web. And, you know, when you, when you have that, ongoing relationship, someone deciding essentially every month whether it's worth it for them to continue to pay you for your product, uh, you really have to stay connected and be very upfront with what's going on, with who you are. As I said, um, you know, I would tell people upfront, we're a small business and, and we still do this today. You know, even with 20 employees, our competitors are people like Salesforce that have, you know, tens of thousands of employees. We don't have the same service, <laughs> you know, um, but what you get with us is you get a team of people who are willing to sit and talk to you and really understand what small businesses are trying to do with their relationships versus large companies who you'll end up talking to someone who who just doesn't have that direct understanding with how a small business connects, you know, how how you relate to your customer, how you work with your customer. So I, I think being as honest about who we are, what we are, what resources we have, what resources we don't have um, as we can, and then communicating as much as we can um, on what we're doing has, has worked well for us. I actually had a customer in those early days write in and ask me about the difference between Batchbook and Microsoft um, Dynamics, Microsoft's CRM product. And he said, you know, I, I'm just, I'm evaluating both of you. I just want to know, you know, from a resource standpoint, you know, what's the reliability, what's the service level? And I was just like, really? <laughs> Me and my five employees and Microsoft? I'm like, yeah, there's, there's not <laughs> a comparison here. I said, and, and I said exactly what I just said. I said, look, if you want to have 
you know, you're essentially your own personal development team building a product for you that really understands, um, you know, what it's like to to be talking to customers day in and day out. And um, or if you want a product that's a large enterprise built for large enterprises to manage large pipelines of sales reps who are, you know, really just trying to project um, gross earnings for a stock broker somewhere, then use that. <laughs> and he's like, yeah, I got you. <laughs> All right, thanks. And he's still a customer today. What have been some of the biggest evolutions that BatchBook has experienced since you guys began in 2006? Um, you know, I'll tell you, I, we've certainly done a lot of different things and, you know, sort of embracing social media. The mission has, has stayed very consistent. Um, you know, we're trying to build a software product for to help small businesses grow. That's really what we're doing. We thought we were going to start with a CRM product and then build some other, you know, calendaring product, uh, project management product. But we've we've still got so much more to do on the customer relationship side that that we've really sort of stayed with the CRM product. In the past couple of years, that that I think has been a little bit of a shift in the in the mindset is early on we were. You know, we we really thought um, the, the even the term CRM, um, you know, it's used in the industry uh, to to really mean that that sort of pipeline management, that that Salesforce um, idea of it's a product for a large team of sales reps to um, you know divide up cold calls and convert at a certain number and push people down through a funnel so that, you know, the top executives, under, you know, have a sense of how much money they've got in their future. And and this whole concept of sales and, you know, what what is sales to small businesses? Um, and we, we really thought sort of using the CRM term and sales term. And one thing we realized is, and, and Honestly, a lot of small businesses do that. I hear all the time from our customers, you know, I don't want to do sales. I just want more customers. And so one thing we've done is really embrace, you know what? Those are the same thing. (laughs) More customers is sales. And sales isn't a bad thing, you know? Sales means if you sell the thing that you put your heart and soul and, you know, life earnings into building, if someone that isn't related to you is willing to part with their money to buy that thing, like, it's a beautiful moment. It's a beautiful thing, you know? it's That sale is a good thing. Think of it that way. Think of it as an exciting thing, you know, a, a, something to wake up and look forward to doing, to finding more people who are passionate about Lynching bikes or landscaping yards or, you know, getting good purchase. Hang out with those people. Find more of those people. It's it's a good thing. And it, it really was a mind shift for us to, to, to sort of to embrace, hey, you know what? Why we like small businesses so much is because that is the relationship. It is this sort of we're in this together, you know, I've built something really cool. I'm looking for that cool thing. Let's buy it and start something together and spend a lifetime being excited about these 
minion hats that you've knitted <laughs> or whatever whatever it is that you've told me. And um, and once we started really looking at it that way and saying, look, sales doesn't have to be the thing that you need an MBA to understand and it doesn't have to be full of acronyms and it doesn't have to be pushy telemarketers calling you at 8 o'clock on a Friday night when you're just trying to spend quality time for your with your kids for the first time in a week. It, it can be a good thing. It really turn, turns a lot of things for us. Um, we've we've published, you know, our a, a sales guide. We call it the guide to doing sales right. You know, how to how to do sales and still have happy customers. And we we've you know really sort of embraced that. Um, we have a role in helping more small businesses understand that sales side of the business. It's a beautiful thing. You know, get excited about it. Have fun with it. So really making that mental shift from, um, you know, sale, this dirty, you know, uh, used car salesman, I'm shoving, you know, my business down everyone's throat and moving that into, hey, this is something I'm so passionate about and I know it provides value. And how great is it when somebody gives me money because they see the value in that? That's awesome. Right. Exactly. If you're not, if it doesn't make you feel good when you sell the thing you've built, then quit building it, (laughs) right? How have you grown as a leader over these years as the CEO of your company? I think I've learned to trust my team. I mean, I've always felt very confident, and I've I've always been blessed to work with an amazing group of people who are very passionate about what we are doing and have worked with me with very limited resources to do some amazing things. But as we've gotten more and more employees, I've learned that I, I serve, you know, my team much better if I can trust people to carry out what my vision is, if I can spend more time thinking about and communicating what my vision is, but really trust my team to execute on that. And, you know, with that said, I, I'm still known to comment on fonts and colors and you know I, I do still get in the weeds every once in a while but I I've learned to really pull myself back um more than more than I did of course in the beginning when I had to decide the fonts and colors now you mentioned earlier on in this interview about your kids being in the car with you you were pregnant with your third child when you started batch book how do you manage all of the responsibilities that you have between being a mother being a wife and being the ceo of batch book yeah, so I, I've heard the term juggle. It's more of a juggle than a balance. You're constantly throwing one of them up in the air and hoping you'll have the hand to catch it when it comes back down. And I, I think that's a little bit true. I, You know, I think being a mother has made me a better CEO because, for one thing, it, you know, it forces me to, to back away from my business when my son is sick. That is, that is my priority, <laughs> and there's, um, you know, there, there's no question there, um, and and I think that's a good thing. Uh, I think my business is healthier when I do have to step away from it every once in a while. We actually have here at Matchbook um, mandatory vacation time, so everyone on the team um, is required, you know, there's nothing we do to you if you don't take your five weeks, but... You know, you, you 
you get five weeks, you're strongly encouraged to take it. Um, and part of that is because, you know, I really feel like that, you know, that, that sort of disengagement is good for everyone's mental health, you know, just stepping away for a little while and, you know, focusing on anything else, whether it's your family, your kids, a trip, a place, you know, whatever it is that, that rejuvenates you, it's important to do that. But it's also important for the business, for the continuity of the business, for us to learn how to live without you for a week. You know, if there's, if there's anyone here who, you know, my business would come to a grinding halt if they were gone and unreachable for a week, that's a, that's a huge problem for me, <laughs> right? Myself included, you know, if, if something happens, uh, I want people to be able to carry on and, you know, keep keep this thing going. So um, that's, that's important that I think, you know, being very engaged in my family and my children's lives and my husband's lives and my community, um, you know, really helps me step away from, from the business. And I think it also, it gives you a different perspective on life um, when you're talking to your kids or when you're talking to other women going through different things, you know, whether it's a book club group, a church group, a school, other moms that's at the kids' school. It, it really, I think, helps me to hear <laughs> what, what challenges other people are facing, whether they're professional or personal or kids. We talk a lot about, um, you know, what's going on with our kids. So I, I just think constantly having that sort of diversity of um, challenges to, to be exploring um, helps helps me not get too mired in um, what's going on with the business. Pam, are there any books that you've read along the way that have really impacted the way that you run your company? There have been, you know, I, I read all sorts of different books. The Lean Startup, Eric Reese's Lean Startup, I think was a, an early sort of very influential in, in sort of how we've built the company and how we've built the product. You know, I, I think that's probably the most, you know, directly impactful. Um, I, I tend to read all sorts of different fiction, nonfiction biographies, um, just because I, I, I love different perspectives, <laughs> you know, and, and thinking about something completely outside of what I'm working on right now. So. I want to bring this conversation to a close by asking you, what is your vision for Batch Book? We have a very modest goal, and that is to change the world and make the world a better place by empowering small businesses to rule the world. We really want to teach entrepreneurs, innovators, um, you know, the, those people who are brave enough, passionate enough, excited enough to risk everything, starting something that will probably fail, but they'll do it anyway. You know, that's, that's where passion comes from, right? And that's what we want the world filled with, <laughs> with that passion. You know, the whole, the whole concept of work-life balance insinuates that, there's, that these are opposite sides of the scale, <laughs> that life is the good part and work is the bad part. Why is that? Why, why do we accept that? That, that shouldn't be. <laughs> or, it, you know, work should be a life passion also. 
one of the last questions I want to ask you is what what have been some of your biggest successes um, over these years, and how have you celebrated that? Oh, <laughs> I think um, you know, I the thing I'm most proud of is the team. I just, I it's an amazing group of people. As I said before, the dedication, the involvement, the a group of people who who think that same way, who who can't turn it off, who you know are sending me messages late into the night, early in the morning. Um, they have an idea. They found a new resource. They've launched a new page or thought of a new Facebook campaign or working with a, a group of people like that and, you know, sort of bringing together a group of people like that. That makes me feel good. I feel like I'm, even in just this this batchbook team community, I, I feel great <laughs> about that, about us being together and doing what we love and, you know, and and influencing other small businesses by talking about what we're doing, by you know, building tools that help people do what we're doing. Um, we talk a lot about our philosophy because we want people to understand, look, you know, this is what we're building. If, if, if what you want is to build a large, you know, team of sales reps that, that you know, work through, uh, you know, list of contacts to meet a certain projection. That's fine. That's good. There's some really big businesses who've been very successful doing that, but this isn't the tool for that. <laughs> you know, this is the tool for the people who like to do, take the call in the car, you know, while handing Twizzlers back to the kids so they'll be quiet for a few minutes. If you want, if you want to do that, come with us. Well, congratulations on the business that you have been building and uh, congratulations on the success that you've had thus far. And I know you're continuing to build that out. So thank you so much for sharing your story and being on the show here with us today. Um, I I really just appreciate, you know, your openness about your journey thus far. Sure. Thank you so much, Katie. I really appreciate it. Thank you so much for listening. If you're really loving these stories, then the best thing that you can do is to help us grow our community. Share the love with one friend who you know would really benefit from hearing these stories. Thanks again for being here and for being a part of this amazing Business Women Rock community. I look forward to seeing you on the next episode and keep it rocking. <laughs>